All right, we are live. It is the September 2022 edition of the QA for Guns and Tactics. Thank you guys very much for joining me and spending a few minutes of your day either watching live or uh, kind of hanging out afterwards with the live stream, you know, kind of the rebroadcast where we answer your questions. So appreciate it, guys. If you want to see your question on the show, the best way is to email us. Oh, that was my monitor, uh, amateur hour over here. Anyways, the best way to see your question on the show, if you're not watching live, obviously, is to email us at the email address shown below. That is the QA at gunsandtactics.com. My name is Dave Tim. Again, thank you guys very much for being here. I do appreciate it. I uh, do have a few things to kind of go over. We have a little bit of mail call to go over and, uh, you know, kind of just some news, things like that. So I'm definitely excited. And looks like we already have some people tuning in. And I believe I have the audio better. Uh, last month, I think it was last month, it was the new microphone month. So I definitely uh, learned a lot about kind of some settings and the gain and stuff like that. So I got some feedback from you guys saying that it was a little quiet. So hopefully you can hear me better. And I'm looking at the the levels and they look like they are, are good. So uh, definitely leave a comment. Uh, hopefully I can see the comments here. Let me give me one moment here. Uh, having some technical difficulties apparently but I don't have comments, the, the joys, just the joys of going live because you know how it is, you know, search comments. No, I don't want to search. I just want to see the comments. I don't even know if I can see them. There we go. All right. We do have a few people here. Um, we have Eric checking in, Don Miller. Uh, hello to you. Uh, sound is good. That's good. Uh, color is a little green. Um, I don't know. Shouldn't be. So I don't know if I have the weight balance anyways. Uh, Matthew checking out, what are the torque specs do you use for the EPS carry on the 43 X? Uh, I would have to check the torque chart, but basically I believe they are metric three or four screws. And then usually I just have a chart that kind of gives me the uh, conversion. Now metric, most of them are in uh, Newton, whatever the metric torque equivalent is uh, meters or whatever. And then there's a little conversion to convert it to inch pounds. But most of those I do generally, I want to say around 12 inch pounds. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> DTOM American. What's up? Hey, good to see you. Uh, everybody else is saying sound is good. Manny talk shooting sound is crispy. Good. Well, I like that. Uh, and then at Matthew, Don is, uh, replying it's the same as the 507k and yes it is the same footprint as the 507k uh like i said you will have to shorten those or you this is the same screws but you will have to shorten those screws so that's one thing when i got the eps carry uh the longer screws that came in the package to use it direct on my 43x i did have to shorten those screws uh, and again I should start taking notes because I'll put a link in the description. If you guys are watching this after the fact, I do have a video on how to shorten screws because a lot of people ask like, you know, how do you shorten those screws? So let me just grab a pen. Give me one sec. Anything else that comes up. So guys, if you want to support the channel, the best way is through our Patreon network. Obviously our Patreon network is uh, kind of, you know, slow, easy going right now. But if you are watching this and want to give a super chat or super thanks on YouTube, that would be awesome. Every little support does help. And, uh, it, you know, it all helps support the channel. So I really would appreciate it. If you guys like the content, find this helpful, and you want to support the channel, every little thing is uh, is generally appreciated. All right, I think we're caught up on comments. Before we get into questions, uh, mail call. Uh, I got to be really careful about what I show because YouTube's community standards. But um, I got some frames in that I'm really excited to check out. Uh, they are like G pattern frames, and I don't know if I'm allowed to show them because, you know, it's YouTube. But these I got, uh, a lot of people have been watching my Prodigy 1911 DS video, and I, I'm ready to do an update. I made some progress, and then I kind of had a little bit of a setback, but I got connected with Checkmate. And they posted a video how they were having really good luck with their new 2011 style magazines that they will be coming out with. So Checkmate is no stranger to the magazine industry. They OEM magazines for a lot of people. Uh, and they're coming out with their own 2011 style magazines. And they sent some 17 rounders for me to check out. They'll also have some 20 rounders, the 140 length uh, in production soon that they're going to send out for me to review. But I got a few of these. So I'm going to be trying these with my Staccato and my Prodigy DS. So I'm excited to check these out. The Checkmate uh, magazines look good. Look good so far. So I got a few of those. Uh, also, my favorite magazine came. This is UN12. 
Uh, UN12 is available at UN12.com. You can get it through Rainier. But this is a great magazine. The quality of production on this, the print quality, the articles. I mean, I've write, written for them in the past, but the photographs, everything like this is just awesome. So I'm really looking forward to checking this out. I do have a, another trip coming up this week. And I'll be definitely looking forward to some reading material thanks to UN12 Magazine. You can check it out just by searching for UN12. And it's a really good, high-quality firearms magazine. Uh, one other thing. We did get some patches just in time for TriggerCon. And if you guys are going to TriggerCon, make sure you look me up. And I did uh, get these. Uh, the, let me get right back to that question here in a second. But I wanted to show you guys the patches. So uh, those of you guys that know, I have a longstanding joke about being an internet range safety officer. So I did get some patches made. So uh, if you guys want one, we'll figure out a way, either we'll sell them or we'll give some away or whatever. But uh, some of it's gonna be, I'm gonna call people out on their dumb comments and then uh, basically gonna, you know, basically say, hey, internet range safety officer, I got a patch for you. And then the other one is one that I was really excited to make. And this is the guns and tactics, not for operators who operate operationally. Now this one uh, turned out a little bit smaller than I had hoped. But it's still a nice small patch, about three inches wide, and it kind of uh, you know gives me that GI Joe kind of mock of uh, of the logo. So definitely a couple of jokes that have been long running jokes on the show and on the channel. Uh, then uh, yeah, we've got some patches made. So finally, just literally just got these in uh, a couple days ago. I was out of town, so just to give you guys a quick update. It has been like super crazy for me. I just got back. Uh, if you guys follow. Our Facebook, which you should anyways, Facebook, Instagram, our shorts, stuff like that. I just got back. Honda reached out to me and I did another video uh, with their new Pioneer model. Just got back from Montana. And then over the weekend, I actually attended a class as a student with Chuck Pressburg and Scott Jedlinski, uh, Press Check Consulting and Modern Samurai Project. It was a joint class, their first joint class. It was a handgun two-day class down in Iowa. Got to hang out with some really good dudes, some old friends that I've shot and trained with in the past. And then obviously with Chuck and Scott uh, teaching, they're both you know high-level national instructors, good at what they do. And I think it's really, really important to always... Uh, you know, be a student. And I always, uh, when I teach my classes, I mean, I, I'm an instructor and I get to travel around and teach cops and, and people and stuff, which I love. But I have this thing about being a master student. And uh, it's actually a quote from the late Neil Peart, uh, if any Rush fans are watching. But what is a master but a master student? And if that's true, then it's on you to basically, you know, continue your education. I'm paraphrasing a little bit because I don't have the uh, exact quote. But I use that quote a lot when I talk about instructor craft philosophy. And I put my money where my mouth is. I still like to attend classes. And I still, you know, when I need sharpening, I want to go to other people. And those dudes are just awesome dudes. So I had a really, really good time. Uh, let's quick check in on comments. Actually, before I do that, let's continue. I'm kind of scatterbrained today. Uh, so I had Montana trip, I had the Iowa class. And then uh, this week coming up in the next few weeks, you know, more travel stuff for either teaching classes, uh, family stuff, trigger cons coming up, like it's just going to be kind of crazy. So yeah, it is definitely, definitely going to be crazy. All right, let's uh, catch up on comments here. Uh, where, where's my mouse? Well, the joys, nothing is working as it should right now. This is great. Hmm. Well, all right. Uh, literally I, yeah, my mouse cursor has disappeared and nothing, nothing is working. Is it still live even? Give me a thumbs up somebody or make a comment or something like that because I, I see the preview, I can see the screen, but like literally nothing, nothing is working. This is just as great. I don't even know if I can uh, use an external mouse because I don't know what's going on. This is a joy. I don't want to have to restart the class or the, not the class, but the live stream. But I feel like I might have to, if I, uh, if I don't have the ability to, to control this. All right, gents. Uh, give me one sec here. Let's, uh, let me grab a, see if I can grab an external mouse or a, a trackpad or something here. Give me one sec. So supposedly this trackpad was paired, but, um, yeah, I don't know what's going on. So I, I, Appears that I'm live. Oh, Eureka. And as soon as I walk away to go get the trackpad, the mouse comes back. So um, it must be wanting to connect to 
a different monitor or something. But uh, let's get caught up on comments. All right. Uh, Eric asks, any idea what the checkmates are going to run? I want to say like 60 bucks, like $59.99 or something like that. Um, I'm not allowed to say certain things, but take a close look at them. Do they look familiar? That's all I'm about to say. I think you guys can come up with uh, some, you know, you know, just, just saying. I, I got to keep certain things, but I want to say they're going to be around 60 bucks. I don't know what the uh, higher capacity ones are going to go for, but these look great. Uh, I haven't taken them down and, and done anything with them but yet, but just the surface, the tubes, everything like that, they look pretty good. They look pretty good. All right. This one's from Don. Dave, do you ever use CH plates? Yes. I use them all the time, particularly on Glocks. Um, when it comes to Glock plates, I, I use them. I have had good luck with them. I prep and I, you know, install them properly, things like that. And then when it comes to 2011 plates, I use Dawson. I like the Dawson a little bit better. I just think they're a little bit more robust. However, um, you know, that's just kind of my opinion. So I'm not sure what specific gun you're talking about, but, uh, yeah, uh, we can give it a whirl. So I'm assuming, oh, it looks like you have another comment here. Have you read any of the Staccato Suppressed and are they reliable? Yes. So the latest P that I got, I got with a threaded barrel finally. And I did um, run that with my, what is it? A Ghost, a Dead Air Ghost, and it ran fine. So I should do a video on that. That's a good idea. Definitely a good topic. Uh, I don't run a lot of pistols suppressed just because, you know, holsters are kind of an issue. I mean, it's not really something that... Uh, you know, in the law enforcement community is done very much. It's just kind of a fun thing. But yeah, I did check, check, uh, test it when I first got uh, that gun in with a threaded barrel and it ran fine with the ghost. So good question. Good question. All right. This one's from Don. He mounted one to the HK VP and the fit is terrible. I think it's the factory screws from HK that CH has you used, but the mount, uh, the plate, but CH has not responded. Um, I would give them a call. They've been generally pretty good when I've called them. And sometimes you have to leave a message or whatever, but uh, just try sending CH an email and their customer service should be pretty good. I know CH for a while was going through some growing pains. They basically got a little too big and they were trying to find staff and stuff like that. But knock on wood, my customer service experience with CH has been been pretty good. Uh, Eric, bet the class was amazing. It was, it was a good time. And I consider myself a pretty good shooter, but I, I'm to that point where, um, you know, I want to pick up little things, you know, like any class that I go to, whether it's a basics class, whether it's an instructor class, whether it's an advanced class, whatever it might be, I want to pick up as much as I can because I want to try to take back as much as I can. Looks like we're back, hopefully. Uh, hopefully you guys can catch up and tune in. I'll give it a minute here. Uh, I had, I guess, an internet issue or something like that. So I don't know. The joys. And it, of course, you can't just resume live streaming as well. So I will have to uh, edit this together and kind of save it in post or whatever. But the joys of technology, I'm telling you, I, I like the live stream. I like interacting with you guys. I love the comments and all of that stuff. Uh, but sometimes the technology side, especially where I live in, you know, kind of rural Minnesota internet issues uh, are, are frustrating. So hopefully uh, you guys make it back. Um, I got one person back, so yeah, hopefully the rest of you guys can catch up and we'll kind of go from there. Before we uh, get back into the questions, I love the comments, but of course, as I had to restart the live stream, all of the comments and everything like that disappeared. So uh, I do apologize if you guys left a comment in the previous stream, I did lost, uh, I lost those. So make sure you leave some new comments in this one. Uh, I'll basically stitch the two files together and kind of re-upload this in the future. But uh, yeah, it's kind of kind of a frustrating experience sometimes going live. All right, uh, we're back, and it looks like we are starting to get some people who are hopping back in. So lost you there, but thanks for answering. Yeah, no problem, man. Happy to answer, and hopefully happy to be back. Hopefully we have a good stream the rest of it, and we can stay online. Uh, this one's from Matthew. Do you have any suggestions for sitting down while appendix carrying? So I am going to be doing a video upcoming on dad bod appendix carry because I have a dad bod. And I just started really embracing the appendix carry lifestyle. And um, yes, I totally agree. It can be very uncomfortable when you sit down just looking for a few tips. So I'm going to be addressing that with some uh, future videos because part of it's going to be the holster you select. If you select just a holster or if there's like the sidecar that kind of widens everything, it has like an integrated mag carrier, um, that might be something. So it, it's definitely a comfort issue and it's going to take some time. And for me, I had to make a wardrobe adjustment. I got a new belt. 
Um, I experimented with different holsters, different positions, ride heights, ride positions, and I will totally share with you my experience. And I will say, uh, you guys know what I look like. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a dad bod type dude. Right. And when I first started, when I was wearing my, my waistline where I was normally my default position. Okay. We'll just call that default. Uh, when I was carrying generally inside the waistband three, three thirty, And if I just moved my appendix rig over and I kept everything the same, it was uncomfortable. I would get hot spots or pressure points. But when I started to experiment with, okay, maybe I have to ride my pants up a little bit. I have to loosen my belt up. I have to make adjustments to different shorts, different pants, whatever. And then I really started to just, in some way, I didn't even wear a belt for a while. Just around the house, I just put on a pair of jeans and I put the clips of the holster on the waistband of the jeans. And I just kind of figured out where naturally my jeans needed to be in order for me to move around and sit comfortably. And that was a little higher than what I was used to. So fast forward, once I kind of figure that out, I figure out the belt situation, I figure out the ride height of the clips and adjustments and everything like that, and then figure out where position-wise that uh, rig is going to be more comfortable, everything just started to kind of work. And obviously, it's not for everybody. Everybody's going to be in different body shape, different body size, have different comfort, different size firearms, all that other stuff. But once I kind of figured out that sweet spot, then it was really comfortable. And uh, a few weeks ago, I had to go down to Kansas for a family trip. So we had eight, nine hour road trip and I appendix carried the whole way down, the whole way back. And it was comfortable. In fact, for a while, I kind of even forgot it was there. Uh, so it can become very comfortable once you kind of get used to it and you figure out where it is. But like I said, I'll have an upcoming video on dad bod appendix carry because uh, yeah, I think it is I think it is very important to kind of go over. And yeah, Delaney had the same problem. So you went back to four o'clock. So I, again, dudes, I hopefully I can help you out. Um, and actually, hey, Dustin, Dustin's here. Uh, Dustin wants to explain what's uncomfortable. So Dustin actually helped me out. He had a couple of rigs that I used and tried out. And he was kind of telling me, and he's the one who actually pointed out to me a long time ago that, dude, you wear your pants pretty low. And I don't know why I did that, but I generally wore my pants a little lower so I kind of had to wear them up a little higher. Uh, Fred Friedman's journal, he trimmed his holster for more comfort. Yeah, worn it cross country, exactly. So, and, and like I said, I took a nine-hour road trip, and I was comfortable with mine, but it definitely took um, took some up. So I tried to loosen the belt, and when you sit, it's still uncomfortable mainly while driving. Yeah, so when you loosen the belt and you allowed it to kind of ride up, that was like a little trick for me, but you might have to like kind of pull your pants up a little bit. But literally, I was around the house, no belt, just jeans on, gun in, holster, whatever. You don't even have to have it loaded so it's not going to, you know, pull your pants down so it's uh, not weighted. But just an empty gun and a magazine. And just kind of figure out where that natural kind of resting spot wants to be. Uh, Tenacore has a really good video about that. Filster has some good videos about that. And then I've kind of talked to a bunch of people and then my own experience. So I'll kind of combine all of these lessons learned into my own dad bod appendix carry video. So yeah, hopefully everything's still sounding good. Um, guys, I'm just, I don't know if I'm getting, getting sick, getting over sick. It's just, it's kind of been a crappy, crappy little time, uh, airport crud, whatever. So anyways, it's just the joys, just the joys of hustle and bustle. So uh, and then Dustin's kind of adding, is your muzzle and poking you? Is it digging under your belt? You know, explain what you're feeling. And that's totally right. You have to kind of figure out where it is, whether you might need a wedge, whether you might need to adjust the belt ride height, whether you might need to adjust, um, you know, the, the position of the holster or even the rotation of the holster. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, definitely some good stuff. So we'll, we'll talk about some of that here. Uh, Delaney, uh, let's see. Let's see, Delaney comments, it's toughened to loosen your belt when you have the no, no ass at all disease. <laughs> yeah, so then we have to figure out, uh, you know, basically where you're at for, you know, riding on your waist and things like that. So uh, the Tenacore belt, uh, I got the Tenacore Zero belt for my carry belt, and I really like it. I'm really, really impressed with it. I was a little apprehensive because it's... Um, you know, basically kind of a minimalist belt, but I'm really happy with it. And then Matthew replies, don't have any issues with the muzzle. It's mainly the grip digging under my ribs, if that makes sense. Yeah. So we might have to figure out kind of uh, cant a little bit, uh, put a wedge to kind of put it out a little um, or ride height. So yeah, it'll be good. 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 Hopefully we can help you out with that. So good deal. All right. Comments I think we're caught up on. Let me go ahead and start to hop in on a couple of questions that were emailed. And actually first things first, 
do want to give you guys a highlight of a scam alert. If you guys are watching YouTube, you've seen this. They copied our logo to make their own avatar. And it basically says, yeah, thanks. You've won something. Text me at whatever. And they use like this telegram or some other stupid gram thing or whatever for a free thing. A few people have replied. And then basically the scammer replies, hey, you've won a X, Y, or Z, but you need to pay for shipping and you need to pay for, um, you know, handling fees or whatever. And of course you can't just use a credit card. You have to use some stupid thing. So again, if you see comments like this guys, it is absolutely a scam. Okay. Absolutely a scam. Do not fall for it. We try to delete the comments and report them as soon as we can, but if you guys uh, see it, don't be afraid to report that. Uh, and on several big channels are having these issues. It's not just us. And in some ways I kind of take it as a compliment. Like we've gotten on the scammers radar, so we are growing, but again, don't fall for that at all. Don't fall for that. All right. Um, this one's from Eric. Uh, Eric, did you just send me, is this the right Eric that I, did you just send me the holster, Eric? And were we, cause you know, I don't want to post your last name and all that other stuff, but I just want to make sure uh, it is. Uh, Eric took Scott's class the second time for a few weeks and definitely the little things that need to be tweaked to make us better for sure, man, for sure. It's all about sharpening edges, you know? So absolutely. It was a good, good time. And Scott is just such a good dude. Uh, seriously, there are some People in the industry that I would prefer to train with and not prefer to train with, prefer to work with, not prefer to work with, that kind of thing. But Scott is such an amazingly genuine dude. So Modern Samurai Project, I'll give him a mention here. Hey, Eric, good to see you on the live stream then, man. Uh, yes, Scott is, you know, just if you have the opportunity to train with Scott, I would highly recommend you do so. Here's the downside. His classes sell out super fast uh, and he's booked I want to say through 2025, he was saying. So he's an incredibly busy, busy guy. But as his classes start to open up for enrollment, like some of his 24, 25 classes or whatever, if you guys want to do it, you need to hop on and sign up right away. Uh, they just, they sell out super fast. He's a very high demand instructor and rightfully so. He will make you a better shooter. He will point out little things. He gave me tons of little tips, uh, little efficiencies, how to do things sooner. I really, really loved the class. So uh, yeah, it was my first time really appendix carrying in a class and uh, I had some really good success. His three and two drill, I don't know if you guys are aware of that. You draw, fire three, and then transition two to the head and uh, two seconds is his black belt standards. And with his techniques, I was able to, uh, with my 2011 in an appendix rig, I was able to get like a 180 or whatever. So uh, definitely I made black belt standards on that. I didn't make black belt standards on other things. I think I got like a 108 for my draw fire one, but yeah, his, uh, he's, he's a good class. I like my class. Okay. I'm very proud of my red dot instructor class. I cover different things. I get into more instructor stuff, technical stuff, armor stuff. Uh, but he will definitely make you a better shooter. His, his is an awesome class. So I, I still recommend his class to everybody as well. So Eric, we got to figure out a way where I can get you to come in one of my classes to check out. It'd be cool to hang out. You can audit it. You can kind of, you know, do whatever. So I'm going to Vegas in November, I want to say Vegas area. So maybe we can figure that out. Uh, otherwise I'll be in Minnesota in April and some other stuff that's kind of coming up. So, all right, let's uh, hop on the questions here. Let's take our first email question, which is, this is from Tyler. Just finished watching your video on co-witness on YouTube. I appreciate that. I love that video too. A little Arnold humor, never hurt anybody. Right. Uh, and I didn't like the built-in rear side of the Romeo Zero. I felt it was hard to acquire if my dot went out. Now I have a set of high fiber optic sights. I was wondering what your thoughts are on co-witnessing to these. When I present, my sight is almost in the middle of the window. It's very easy to see if the dot goes out. I'm just wondering how to proceed in aligning my dot now. Here's the deal. Uh, I personally, I, you sent a picture uh, and that's awesome, but I can't show pictures of firearms on YouTube live streams. That's a community standards thing. I can't show a firearm on YouTube. So it's not that I'm ignoring your picture, just so you know that. They looked a little high. I like them as low as possible. Okay. I want them just tucked out of the way. So if the dot goes out, then I can look for them or, you know, whatever it might be. Or if I can't find the dot, I can quick use them as a crutch to realize, you know, that I'm off alignment or whatever, particularly maybe if you're doing like offhand, we can, you know, whatever stuff where you might need that little extra crutch for alignment. However, 
I still don't want to use the iron sights when I have a dot. The whole point of the dot is to be able to maintain target focus or threat focus, depending on your context of use of a handgun. So you draw, present, you maintain your focus downrange. You ignore those iron sights. They are just backup sights. That's it. Do not co-witness. Do not lollipop. Do not align them. Do not look for them to find the dot. Nothing of that crap. With your good presentation, you should draw, present out, and the dot will just appear and you ignore all that stuff. So that's why I like them as low as possible. So hopefully that helps uh, with that. But yeah, um, if you have any other questions on it, you know, hit me up. Otherwise, you know, some excellent training, whether it's from my class, Scott's class, other really good instructors out there, whatever would help with that. But basically you want those sites as low out of the way as possible. So that way they are just there as truly a backup in case you have an electronic failure, that kind of thing. But uh, otherwise don't bother co-witnessing or any of that kind of stuff. The whole point of your dot is to be speedy and fast and to ignore iron sights. All right, let's take another question. This one is from David, just stumbled across your 2011 video and exactly what I was looking for. And he's referring to my 2011 beginner's guide, I believe. I will say that I bought the Prodigy and I'm sort of on the fence about it. Uh, don't blame you, man. I've had some issues with mine. Wanted a staccato for a while and got excited, watched your video, had the same problems. Two questions. Do you think changing my guide rod assembly would help or hurt? You had mentioned you were going to go to a toolless. Uh, I'd like to do the same, especially if a stronger spring. Also, you have shortish fingers, can't seem to get the top, uh, can't seem to get on top of the thumb safety while I engage the grip safety without feeling like the trigger is grinding against the grip safety inside the frame. It just doesn't feel like the meat of my palm gets a good hold on the grip, but shooting with my thumb under the safety doesn't leave room for my support hand. Uh, get the most out of the gun. Could I lower the safety or replace it with a higher or lower safety? Yeah, so good question, man. Uh, a couple of things going on there. Number one, I added the Dawson toolless guide rod to mine because I am going to start to experiment with spring weights. Uh, I had had to do some cleaning up to the gun. I'm going to probably up to about a 10 pound uh, spring in there just to kind of see how that does because yes, it does need a little bit more energy, if you will, to return to battery. Some people say their chambers are out of spec, so I'm going to measure that as well. Uh, again, everybody on the internet called me a staccato shill because I gave the Prodigy an honest review and I had issues with it. But I would counter, and I have countered with this, is that if you spent that much money on that gun, would you be happy with it or would you be disappointed? And I was disappointed. So give me one sec. Excuse me. Uh, so I was disappointed with it and I'm, I'm not going to lie about my disappointments or my experiences, but I do want to see the gun running. I really do want to see a production quality 2011 style gun on the market and available to people. So yes, it would help. It would allow you to experiment with springs uh, much easier. Now, as far as the safety goes, there are different safety options, but the Prodigy would need fitting and things like that. So if you have smaller hands, the 2011 might be a tougher gun. I don't know if you wanted to look at maybe getting a grip reduction from some of the stipple houses and stuff like that. But yes, you do have to disengage the grip safety, the thumb safety. Now, the cool thing is, is once you disengage the thumb safety, you can kind of build your grip to maintain grip safety and trigger finger alignment. So that way you can, you know, go ahead and engage and establish that good grip. Uh, but maybe send me a picture of your grip and kind of, so I can see what you're doing. Cause it's really tough for me to diagnose something with just text. So if you could have somebody, uh, you know, take a picture of your grip built up, that would help out a lot too. That would help out a lot. All right. Uh, some more talk in the comment section about, uh, appendix carry. This is, uh, from Dustin. You need, uh, to holster your pivot with you. Everybody is different or every body is different. When you get it right, it will move with you. And that's totally right. For me, it really was like a light bulb moment, uh, when, you know, I had everything good. Uh, doesn't spring weight at some point affect accuracy due to unlocking early, assuming we're talking back about the 2011 or whatever. So here's the deal with 2011s. Um, everything can affect everything. It's all little things that add up to the one thing. So we have timing issues. We have lockup, we have springs, we have the firing pin stop, all sorts of stuff going on. Now, is it going to affect accuracy? Uh, I suppose somebody could argue, yes, technically it could unlocking early or whatever. But when I've seen high speed footage of 2011s, even with heavier or lighter springs or whatever, uh, most of the time the bullet is down, you know, assuming we're not making drastic changes with springs. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it. Now, 
I'm not going to be putting like an 18 pound recoil spring in there. Factory was nine. Mine measured right at nine on my five inch prodigy. So I'm going to try about a 10 or 11 kind of to see what we can do there. So yeah, good question. Uh, Eric T Hilton Yam 10, eight performance has some good who I've never heard. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Hilton Yam's a good dude. Eric, I think you and I were actually in his armor online class together. Uh, Hilton Yam is a phenomenal resource people. If you haven't subscribed to him, 10, eight performance, awesome, awesome dude. Awesome channel. Retired uh, FBI special agent, spent a lot of time running 1911, 2011 guns, uh, a lot of time in the industry. Uh, I'd love to take an in-person class with him someday, but he's a gun nerd like me. And what I like about Hilton is he's not afraid to call stuff out like it is. So he has some Prodigy videos as well. And lo and behold, he had some very similar issues and observations, okay? Him and I are on the same page on a lot of things. Um, and, you know, again, a lot of people called me names because I disclosed my relationship with Staccato. But if I wouldn't have said that, would people have commented? Whatever. I don't know. I'm getting on my soapbox, but yeah, whatever. But yes, I do love Hilton's stuff. Yes, he does a great job. Good afternoon to you, Russell. Good to see you. And uh, Hilton did do a good video. Yes, he did. He did indeed. Uh, all right, guys. Again, don't be afraid to uh, hit that super chat. Super thanks. I would love the support if you guys are liking the content. We're probably going to go till, uh, I don't know, till we get through the questions and we'll see how the comment section is. And uh, we'll go from there. Oh, and Eric, you posted uh, your fastest was a 169. That's a smoking three and two drill, man. That is smoking. Mm. From a duty rig, I, uh, I suppose. All right, I think I'm caught up on comments. Let's uh, answer a few more questions. Where were we? All right, this is from Chad. I just started using JB bore paste as part of my rifle deep clean process. I kind of like that rifle, rifle deep clean process. Uh, sorry. All right. Get back to the question. Anyways, rifle deep clean process, but I'm curious if there, uh, there are a lot of warnings about using JB pour paste incorrectly. It can damage your barrel. How can someone use it wrong? Started using it because compass Lake recommends it. And those guys know what they're talking about. Have you seen people mess up their bores using JP bore paste? So JP bore paste, uh, JB bore paste. I actually have some on the bench. I love it, but here's the deal. It is an abrasive. Okay. So it's a polishing compound. Basically after you clean, you can use croil, you can use other cleanings things, and then you use this bore paste to basically kind of polish and finish cleaning. It's almost like toothpaste with a toothbrush on your teeth. You'd be surprised how abrasive toothpaste really is. It has used to have crushed up pearls in it, I believe was the uh, abrasive component. Now they're using all sorts of different stuff. But, uh, well, and the reason why I know this is because back in the day, there was a, a more than one gunsmith when they would do basic action jobs, they would use toothpaste as a polishing or an abrasive compound when they were doing revolver trigger jobs. So any Fudlore internet, you know, uh, thing that's, it is true. If you ever hear that toothpaste used to be used. So it is true. Anyways, if you use too much of it, it's an abrasive and where people get into trouble is they use it with power tools. They go way excessive. I mean, I've seen people damage their bores with just bore, um, guide rods and, uh, you know, copper brushes and things like that. They've damaged the crown. They've damaged the barrel. So yes, sometimes people can mess stuff up by cleaning improperly or over cleaning. That does really happen. So just be cautious with JB, uh, JB bore paste and just use it as the instructions recommend. Don't overdo it. I think a lot of people spend way too much time cleaning. I'm guilty of uh, not cleaning my guns, but you know what? I, I get it. Uh, it. It takes time. It It's frustrating. It's all that crap. Nobody wants to clean, but you should clean, especially with precision rifles. Uh, I was watching uh, Eric uh, Cortana, Cortina. I can't remember how you pronounce his last name, but he was doing some precision rifle stuff and his stuff makes a lot of sense and he's a champion shooter. So when it comes to precision rifles, I do clean a little bit more, but I don't overdo it. It's where I'm damaging things. So uh, loaded AR-15 in a vehicle. I don't know, man. It depends on where you live and how you're able to secure your vehicle and if you're doing urban camouflage. And what I mean by that is don't put a bunch of stickers on your car saying, hey, there might be a gun in here. Because in a lot of urban areas, believe it or not, a lot of people know gun brands, gun logos, gun stickers, cop stickers, whatever, warrior stickers, punisher stickers. And they realize that people might keep truck guns, kits, all that other stuff. Uh, and, you know, in my area, we didn't have a ton of vehicle break-ins when I was a cop, but talking to other cops, urban areas, whatever, uh, yes, break-ins happened and guns got stolen. So I would be very cautious about A, how you're able to secure it, B, 
how you're able to keep it on the down low and uh, I would be cautious about if it really needs to be truly loaded. But the big question that I would ask you is AR-15 in a vehicle is why? What situation scenario do you see needing a vehicle rifle available to you? If you have one, great. Then figure out how you're able to access it quickly, safely, but also figure out how you're able to not be identified as an active shooter or a criminal yourself. Because if there's that man with a gun call, if you go grab your rifle and now you have a gun, could law enforcement, first responders, another permit to carry holder, good citizen, see you as the threat and take you down? And those are all realistic things. Okay. So we have to think about all that stuff with uh, the truck, you know, guns and stuff like that. So good questions. Good questions. All right. Uh, this one is from Rolando, looking at getting an optic for my EDC, would it be an open emitter be terrible for winter versus a closed? I really do like closed emitters. The EPS stuff from Holosun I think is going to become my favorite new closed emitter. Just because when you're carrying on your body, lint, skin, all sorts of gunk and dirt is easy to compound on the optic and having a closed emitter really makes that easier to clean up, things like that. So I'll have some videos upcoming on the EPS once I get a little bit more range time. But if you can get a closed emitter for a carry uh, gun against your body, I would recommend it. Now for a duty gun where it's outside in the holster, you have a hood, you have a protective shroud, things like that, the open emitter works just fine. So yeah, good question. Uh, hey, Neil Posner, good to check in with you. Do you have any knowledge, uh, hands-on, of the Triarch long guns? So yes, uh, I have used one of their AR-15s. I actually have a Triarch barrel in one of my other guns, uh, and that's that's fine. I think they are using, I can't remember the exact trademark name of the barrel rifling technology, uh, but their barrels are pretty solid. Now, I know Triarch was kind of going through some issues. I'm not sure if it's structure or whatever, um, but I know there was a little issues or whatever going on with like back orders and, and status and stuff like that. But Triarch makes 2011 style pistols. They make ARs. They sponsor a few different trainers and stuff. And generally they make high-end stuff. Uh, I was, I used to know, uh, I used to know who was making their receiver sets. And I don't want to comment because I don't want to share incorrect information, but their billet receiver sets uh, used to be, uh, if it's still current, manufactured by a really, really solid shop. So, um, yeah, I believe they're doing good stuff. Definitely good stuff. All right, and you were looking at the EPS, but your iron sights might be too tall. Yes, so that's the cool part. Like, and again, I don't know what gun you're referring to, but like for me on the Glock, I can use standard height sights, which is great. Uh, Eric, totally agree. Easiest benefit is how easy it is to clean the lens. Absolutely. And AR-15 versus pistol chassis with a brace. Yep, again, Good questions, realistic, you know, scenarios. You have to kind of figure that out. Uh, this one's from Delaney. Use an ultrasonic cleaning machine and only use patches to clean my guns and customer guns to avoid too much wear, then use brushes after build-up copper. Yep, yeah. Ultrasonic cleaners are awesome. Uh, I absolutely love, love mine. All right, I believe we were on question four. I think we got some questions from Kevin coming up here. When teaching within driving distance, no airport, what equipment do you bring to... Uh, Besides the small stuff and arrange to fix students' firearms, the class must go on. So here's the thing. I don't bring that much more when I drive versus I fly. The class must go on. And if I have to like bring extra stuff to fix a student's gun, that'll just tie up the whole class or whatever. So generally speaking, I'll carry a backup gun or two, backup rifle, backup parts, whatever. And a lot of times it's more easy, more often than not, it's easier for me to hand them a spare gun or a loaner gun to get the class to move on. Uh, depending on the place, they might have a vice or whatever. You sent a picture of the vice that you made out of a trailer hitch. Uh, that looks pretty cool. And I would consider keeping one in my truck because uh, there's definitely times when a vice could come in handy. So, But I don't want to carry way more stuff, uh, vehicle versus airline, because then I get spoiled. And then I, I want I like to have that consistency. And with my toolkit and my range bag, I can fix most stuff. What generic method do you use to inventory spare parts, accessories, consumables? Uh, I don't have a great system. I don't have like a spreadsheet, but I, you know, kind of just keep parts kits and things like that. So I can kind of keep, keep a glance. And the, generally my system is when I use a part, I'll save that wrapper or package so I know uh, to replace it. How are professional relationships handled when other parties don't play nice with others or the agencies bully local businesses? Uh, usually you have to part, part ways a lot of times with some of that stuff. That's probably a whole other topic. Uh, do you have a no reloads or factory loads only policy for your classes? I don't, but I often caveat that with a risk because I'll have people ask like, hey, can I shoot reloads? And I'll be like, hey, you can, but it's your gun. 
And keep in mind, there are risks. Uh, I've seen good reloads. I've seen bad. Now, the reality is if a guy shows up with good quality reloads and he never tells me, I'll never know the wiser. But I generally do recommend quality ammunition because the last thing I want to see people show up to a class is having crappy ammunition and then having a crappy experience. What are some things that can be done to weed out those incompetent and unethical instructors, especially those that are government instructors on the Brady list? Uh, the Brady list, for those of you guys that don't know, is basically a list of cops usually who have been found to be unreliable as a witness. So they've lied, they've gotten in trouble. Excuse me. Uh, to where they are no longer a reliable witness. Now, sometimes that has consequences for other parts of their profession or their career or whatever. Uh, so that lists, those lists generally aren't as publicly available. So it might kind of depend in your region or whatever. But the reality is reputations travel quickly and... I don't know. I've known some instructors who have gone through some things, but they're still good instructors. They still are passionate about it, but they're willing to own their mistakes. So can you still learn from them? You have to ask yourself that. Uh, would you be willing to learn from somebody who has made mistakes and owned those mistakes? Would you be only wanting to learn from those who have a 100% solid moral and ethical compass? Again, those are all questions that you have to you have to ask. Uh, quick comment from Delaney. Fix-it sticks. Worth it or too pricey? What kit would you recommend? Uh, I have some Fix-it sticks stuff. Otherwise, the OEM for Fix-It Stick is called Slocky, S-L-O-K-Y. And sometimes you can find some of their tools direct as well. So for example, SIG with the Romeo 2, um, they include a toolkit and that comes with a Slocky thing. So do we do mail call already? I think we did. Yeah, we went over patches and stuff. I had a, a Romeo 2 in there. I was gonna show you guys that, but that has a Slocky kit in it. Uh, Otherwise, for bits and torque drivers, I really like Borka stuff as well. Love their stuff. Higher quality bits than I think most industry average, uh, but it's a little bit more expensive. So if Fix-It Stick is too expensive or you're kind of like on the fence, Borka would be that next level up. Uh, as far as next level down, um, I've had some issues with Brownells bits as far as being soft and brittle uh, and then various other tool company bits or whatever. So I don't know. It's kind of tough. It's kind of tough. Uh, fat wrench is good. Ah, I've had issues with the fat wrench, man. So I'm going to be a little cautious here. Um, how the fat wrench works is it has a spring that stretches. The more it stretches, the more torque, the less it stretches, the less torque. And I have found the fat wrench to be very inconsistent at the ends of that. So I personally don't use the fat wrench any longer. And here's why. So you set, set the fat wrench to like, let's just say 10 inch pounds. You tighten it, put a little witness mark on. You can tighten that thing again and the screw will keep moving. So it's like, well, which one was 10 inch pounds? Whereas like the Borka, the Fix-It sticks, whatever, as soon as you reach that, it's just like click, 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 click. Uh, so I, I, I see issues with the fat wrench. Uh, so I personally am very cautious to recommend it. I realize it's a budget option, but I don't think it's the highest quality tool out there. And it's only calibrated at one specific range. Okay. And I believe last time I checked, it was like plus or minus 6% or something like that. Whereas a good quality tool is uh, a little less, but yeah. Okay. Digital. Okay. Digital fat wrench. There we go. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough, boys. All right. The digital, I think might be a little better. Uh, since I had kind of a, a meh experience with the uh, fat wrench, I, uh, you know, I, I haven't really tried the digital fat wrench, but I might, I might uh, give it a try again. All right. <clears throat> this one's from Pistol Pete, why does it seem like the default for CCW is striker-fired when there are many good hammer-fired pistols for carry? Well, because striker-fired guns are almost in some ways the perfect trifecta. They're cheap, they're reliable, and they're accurate. And really, what more can we ask for in a carry firearm? And I say cheap, I'm not saying like cheap quality, but I'm saying inexpensive. You can get a Glock for 500 some bucks, that's pretty good. They're high quality, they're accurate, they're dependable. Easy. Now, a hammer-fired gun for a carry gun, some people don't like the beaver tail or the hammer for comfort, things like that. Additionally, when you're drawing a hammer-fired gun, you have to kind of make sure you come in at an angle a little bit uh, so you don't hit that beaver tail. Whereas a striker-fired gun, you can be a little bit more forgiving and coming in straight up and down. So yeah, that's a good uh, good question, but... <laughs> oh, jeez, Louise. <laughs> I am not your, I am not your daddy. But that reminds me of that Arnold sketch I did in the co-witness, you know, the uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger from Kindergarten Cop. Who is your daddy and what does he do? 
And uh, then it kind of goes from there. So that was kind of funny. Good to hear from you, Greg. Thanks for checking in. Uh, Delaney, small bits for optics torquing seem to break often. Would pay more. Then, yes, check out the Borka uh, or the Fix-It Sticks. The Borka ones are awesome. The Borka ones are awesome. This one's from Scott. What's your favorite 556 load for home property defense? Is it any of this stuff? I'm also considering 77 grain. My favorite is either 62 grain tack bonded from Federal or 75 grain gold dot uh, for like SBRs. Uh, the thing with the 75 grain gold dot, if you spin it a little too fast, like out of an 18 inch barrel, it's not as good that you can have some separation. That SBR, uh, that round was kind of designed more for SBRs, that 75 grain gold dot, but a good all around uh, round is a 62 grain gold dot, or I'm sorry, 62 grain bonded. Otherwise, take a look at what the FBI protocol recommends because obviously with a rifle, we have to be aware of over penetration issues, things like that. So those are my favorites. Uh, those were my favorites. Uh, yeah, and then I got a couple people. You prefer the CZ P01? Uh, yeah, awesome. CZs are awesome guns. I have a soft spot. I want to get a, uh, I think it's called the TSG, the green one. You know, like I love neon green that you guys know me. Um, Hence the microphone and everything else. So if I can find a good deal on that CZ with the green grips and everything like that, I uh, I really want one. Yeah, you prefer striker? No worries, man. No worries. All right. Let's see here. This one is from John. Hey, Dave, will you be reviewing the new 277 Fury? Uh, maybe if somebody wants to send me one, but I... I'm so far, I have like boxes of stuff I got to make videos on and check out that I don't, it's not on the list right now. I'll tell you that, but you never know. You never know. All right, let's uh, hop back into questions. Got a couple more here from Kevin. Uh, when gun companies act in bad faith towards normal people with post 2020 gun repairs, what are some resourceful options to have the guns fixed? And then a follow-up is when a dishonest company fails to even try to repair the gun, is it better to hold back that information or let them know they are caught in a lie? And then uh, you sent a picture about like some UV paint that one person that you knew uh, used to basically verify that the gun company didn't, you know, fix it. Uh, here's the deal. I like to call people out when I catch them in lies. And you might have to ask for a higher level up person. You might have to be more stern. Uh, you might have to get your local dealer involved if they've backed up that purchase or not. But it sucks. Uh, it sucks to buy something and then have it fixed and it's not fixed. It just is very, very frustrating. Biggest things I can recommend is number one, document, 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 journal. On this day, I spoke to so-and-so who stated blah, blah, blah. Email chains are great. Uh, if you have phone calls, take notes. Uh, take notes of their service notes, things like that. So uh, I 100% agree with documentation. You need to do that to back that up because in case that escalates, you're going to have to have that and say, you know, exactly what the timeline was, what the layout was, whatever. And don't be afraid to keep escalating that. Ask, you know, be firm, be stern. And especially if you call them out on a lie, number one, make sure it's truly a lie. Make sure you can back that up. And number two, don't be afraid to then be stern and address that and say, you know, I reviewed this uh, situation. I do not believe you have fixed it. Here's why. Kind of show them out. I want this fixed. And you have to explain your expectations. And uh, hopefully you can keep making progress. Some gun companies obviously are better than others. Uh, you know, and I know that you, you made another comment too about like some private insurance or not private. Uh, there's a comment about insurance. But private customers getting treated differently than cops. Yes, I know some gun companies do prioritize cop and duty guns. But a lot of the guns that I see, customers getting fixed, students getting fixed, they're not cops and they're they're getting good service. So I do think not all is lost. Uh, Pistol Pete, you prefer DASA? Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, DASAs are still good quality guns. My very first duty gun was a SIG P226 DASA. Uh, the Beretta 92s are starting to make a round back with the Langdon guns. Uh, the problem, you know, I think part of it too is that there's just not a lot of... Mid-sized DASA guns that are as mainstream or as available, so that's just kind of part of it there. Uh, Eric, what gun company are you using for instructor insurance, and have you had to use it for anything? Thankfully, no, I've not had to use it for anything. Uh, I am using Firearms Trainers Association, and I think I used Scott's uh, link to get a little bit of a discount, ten percent maybe. Uh, but I've had good luck with Firearms Trainers. My communication with them has been good as far as like getting waivers and, and things approved and kind of establishing with them, like, this is how I run my business and I run my classes and the paperwork and stuff that I use. Are you guys good with that? And they've been really, really good to work with. So I really like them a lot. Uh, you have a SIG P322. 
uh, and at SIG due to light strikes. Yeah. So, uh, that's, you know, that's a pistol I really wanted to check out. Uh, I've heard good things. I'm not sure what ammo you're running, but hopefully they can get you up and running. C4 Defense, hello to you. Thanks for checking in. All right, let's hop back on to the questions here quick. This question is uh, almost wrapping up here. What would you recommend for non-lethal self-defense EDC items and or training? This one's uh, from Ike. Great question. Great question. So number one, as far as training goes, I'm a firm believer that if you can get some hands training, whether that's jujitsu, uh, other styles of fighting, whatever. But the reality is so many dudes that I respect uh, and even the training that I've done in law enforcement that has kind of trended towards jujitsu techniques have been so much more effective than some of the other techniques that we were taught previously or I even taught previously because I was a use of force instructor. I'm a firm believer if you can learn jujitsu-based stuff that I don't think you'd ever regret it. Um, wrestling, ground fighting, things like that. You know, those are all good quality skills to have in a situation because most every tussle that I've had uh, usually goes to the ground. And that's where jujitsu or wrestling style things, you know, really, really come in handy. So that would be excellent. Uh, as far as other stuff, pepper spray, there's no free lunch, right? So pepper spray has the likelihood of affecting you, uh, but you can also apply it to multiple people. So if you had two attackers, you could spray both of them. Uh, a taser, for example, the downside is generally most tasers, it's good for one person. And if you miss, you'd have to swap cartridges really quick and that might not be an option, but they are effective. And taser is generally a pretty pro um, citizen carry that if you use the taser, turn it on, set it down, run away, they'll replace it for you with the police report. So taser is a good option as well. But again, there's no free lunch with any of this stuff. Uh, honestly, one of the best things that people can carry and should carry for their EDC is a flashlight. Sometimes confronting someone with a very strong illumination source it has such an, uh, an effect, uh, you know, even as a police officer or whatever, as soon as people see that, it's kind of like the deer in the headlights, but basically then they know that they are seen, they are identifiable, they are confronted. And then what's also nice is that you can hide behind that wall of light. So either you can create distance, you could grab your communication device, you could grab a tool to protect yourself and start to prep as well as hopefully disorient them a little bit by losing their night vision, things like that. So if a flashlight is not part of your EDC, it definitely should be. And I can do a video on kind of some EDC flashlights coming up. So great question, Ike. Before we get to more comments and other things, I do want to give a shout out to TriggerCon. Please, please, please consider attending TriggerCon if you're in kind of that Midwest area. TriggerCon is coming up October October 7th and 8th, 2022 in the Wichita area at the Flint Oak Hunting Reserve just outside of Wichita. It's going to be an awesome time. There's going to be live fire demos. There's going to be vendor displays. There's going to be all sorts of exhibitors. TriggerCon is the coolest gun show that you'll probably ever attend as a consumer. It's a lot of cool stuff. And as of right now, there's over 70 exhibitors going on. So we would love to see you at TriggerCon. My viewers can use a coupon code, which I'll have down in the description to save yourself a little bit of money uh, to get yourself a ticket, but I'll be there. And if you find me, make sure you come find me because I'll have some patches and swag. So yes, please, please, please come to TriggerCon. Love to see TriggerCon. All right, let's get back to our questions. Let's see where we were. This was... Uh, let's, that was Ike's. All right. This one is from Paul. First and foremost, thanks for putting out such fantastic content. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Your videos are both extremely informative and entertaining, uh, sharing knowledge. Now onto your questions when removing a pistol mounted red dot, either for battery, uh, or to move to a different firearm, do you reuse the same mounting screws or new screws? If new, do you have a per, uh, preferred source? I've done some looking for additional mounting screws and I can only seem to find them in bulk quantities, especially for Torx screws. So if the screws are still good and I can clean them up, you can reuse them, okay? Sometimes with Threadlocker, you need to clean that off a little bit. You can either use a little uncure solution, some degreasing solution. Sometimes you have to use a torch and a brush to kind of clean that up. But if I can reuse and clean those screws up, I will reuse them just fine. Otherwise, I get all of my screws generally from McMaster uh, car. And yes, you have to buy them in generally packs of a hundred. There are certain shops that will basically get theirs uh, from McMaster car because they use the same descriptions and they'll sell them in like onesies, twosies for a couple bucks a screw. You can get a bag of screws for like 10 or 12 bucks or something like that. So that's part of it. Um, certain hardware stores do carry higher quality screws with those finer thread pitches and Torx heads, but not all hardware stores because it's not common stuff. So I would just get them from McMaster's, you know, split them up amongst your buddies, offer to, you know, pay it forward, send them out to whatever. So 
Yes. Uh, Pistol Forum had part numbers for McMaster car. Yes, totally. Uh, I, like I said, all the screws and stuff that I use in my shop, I get from there and I generally get it. Like, I think it's a bag of a hundred, so you'll have them forever. But, uh, yes, good, good source for there. All right. Uh, your was with Aguila. Yeah, that sucks, Sam. Sorry. Hopefully they get your gun up and running. Uh, Eric, uh, back to insurance. You were using Locked in Affinity and they were super happy to send me a policy, but after that, radio silence, yes. So I had an issue with Locked in Affinity uh, with private property, uh, now that you bring that up. So I wanted to teach at private property and they wanted a certificate that that was a certified range. And I was like, I don't even know if some public ranges have certificates that they're certified ranges, you know, uh, like local gun clubs and that kind of thing. But they were really adamant, like this whole private property thing. I was going to go and uh, basically teach on private property, and they they had some serious struggles with that. So that's why I ultimately ended up dumping them. And Firearms Trainers Associate was cool with private property, cool with additional insured stuff, whatever. So they were uh, they were good there. Uh, Delaney, a Kubaton and an OC spray is a good option for sure. Absolutely. A Kubaton is like a little mini baton uh, that's mostly used for like control tactics, pressure points, stuff like that. Learn how to use it. If you are going to carry anything, obviously get training. Um, SwapFox Optics also sells an ultimate screw kit as well, top quality. I, I have yet to check that out. So I would I would be interested in checking it out, but I'll be up front. I've seen some Swamp Fox Optics kind of poop the bed at classes. So I'm a little on the fence with their actual optics. Uh, so hopefully they're still using quality screws and stuff like that. So that's a, a good, uh, good source there. All right, let's see where we were on questions. Uh, let's see. Uh, we already answered this one from Paul. Last email question, I believe, is going to be this one. All right. Let's try to get number 10 to load if I can. And, of course, technical difficulties. There we go. Oh, it was Paul. Okay, so that was the last one. All right. So we already went over TriggerCon. We went over everything else. Uh, Eric kind of hopped back in with, uh, I have a contact. I have to contact them soon and add a PD that I'm teaching. Yeah, hopefully it won't be an issue. Just get it additionally insured, things like that. So, uh, guys, I got to be honest. I'm a little disappointed. Not one super chat or super thanks yet, at least that I can see. And if you have, leave a comment because I want to know and give you a shout out. But, uh, if again, if you guys can uh, support the stream, support the channel, every little bit helps. Every little bit helps. I think that's about going to wrap it up. We're probably caught up on comments. And because we had to stretch this into two segments, uh, we'll probably uh, not post the live immediately and I'll, I'll get the recording from each, edit them together and then upload it because uh, I believe the first segment was about 15 minutes and now we're coming on uh, 45. So just about a little over an hour right around there. So I'm, uh, I'm excited. We had a good show. All right. Before we give away our prize, here are the rules for the QA while I pull up the random number generator. All right. Hopefully you guys had a chance to read those. Oh my gosh. Seriously, we're going to start asking about hot dogs. Not gun related, but is a hot dog a sandwich? That is a good question. I would consider sausages, hot dogs, bratwursts. Um, I don't think they're sandwiches. I really don't. I, I don't. So see, this is what I'm talking about. Got two super chats. Huge shout out to Greg. Super chat. Five bucks, I appreciate it. And also from Friedman's Journal, bring a class to South Florida. Heck yeah. Well, okay. If we're going to do South Florida, I have two conditions. Number one, it has to be in the dead butt cold 20 below weather winter of Minnesota so I can get out and go somewhere nice and warm. And number two, I need fruity tropical drinks after class. Those are my two conditions, but let's make it happen. So yeah, shoot me an email. We'll see if we can get something going. But yeah, South Florida. Let's do it. Thank you guys very much for the super chats. I really appreciate it. Uh, seriously, every little bit helps. Oh boy, the sandwich debate continues while we develop the prize. Uh, now we have uh, C4 Defense. Hot dogs are 100. Okay, you got to explain. Why are they a sandwich? Because it's meat within a bun? Is that the criteria? If, is, if anything truly is a sandwich, if it has meat contained by bread, you know, then yeah, I don't know what it is. Eric with the super slam from downtown $10 super chat. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Eric. 10 bucks. That's awesome. I appreciate it. You guys are buying my coffee and lunch today. I super appreciate all the super chat. Eric, I, 
I feel like I just sent you money for that holster and now you're spending me money. That's uh I feel bad, man. And you sent me a patch too. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. All right. Two hot dogs split and laid on pieces of bread as a sandwich. Oh boy. Uh, I often started a, I was talking about starting a cooking channel uh, with griddle stuff and I have a really good hot dog recipe that'll literally blow your mind. The best hot dogs you've ever had. Dustin, if you're still here, you can attest to grown-up hot dogs. Uh, and then Chad, I saw you made a comment. Generally, we start 2 p.m. Central. So we've been going on for just about an hour uh, just to kind of get you caught up. All right, let's do our random number generator. Our random number is number four. If you guys can see that, if it'll focus. Number four, which question number four was who was the question number four that was kevin was question number four so kevin uh we'll get connected and uh we'll get you a prize and i will be up front i don't know who this month's sponsor is we had some communication issues with a previous sponsor we had a new sponsor potentially reach out but we weren't able to lock anything down so i don't know but i'll get you something and i'll hook you up now speaking of kevin Kevin, I got to give a shout out to you because you sent me a couple of tools and they're actually, they're in my range bag on my belt, but, um, I really do appreciate that. He basically modified a screwdriver, uh, for a sight adjustment and I drilled a hole in it, put a lanyard on it and kept it on my belt. I actually used it all at class this last weekend. So Kevin, seriously, thank you for the tools. I really do appreciate that. Uh, I, you know, they really have come in handy, so I love it. Um, Delaney. Awesome with the super chat. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that, man. This is going to be like the record super chat. I think uh, I think we are up to like record territory. So I uh, I love it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the support. It means a lot to me, guys. And uh, just think, uh, we're at 93,000 subscribers. If every one of you subscribers gave me a dollar a month, I'd be a millionaire in a year. And then I could like do some epic videos. We would we would just blow it up, but I realize that's not going to happen, but, uh, every little support really does help now that I'm doing this full time. So I really, really do appreciate the super chats and thanks guys. And the Patreon supporters, uh, it really does mean a lot to me. And I'm not just saying that to get you guys excited or whatever, but, um, I really, really do appreciate this. Oh boy. Oh boy. Guys, seriously, if it's meat wrapped in bread meets the sandwich criteria, however, point counterpoint is a corn dog, a sandwich. Now we're getting into the weeds here, boys. We are getting into the weeds. Uh, Friedman's Journal, I reject hot dogs and sandwiches. Just no. I got to agree. I think sausages, it would be a type of a sausage, you know, like bratwurst sausages, Polish sausages, Cajuns, hot dogs, whatever, all kind of goes into that separate category, you know, like, because I think we would all agree. Technically, a burger is probably a sandwich, but we've categorized burgers as their own thing versus sandwiches, right? So I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Corn dog is a complete meal. Hey, true story for all the people watching. Uh, is this just a Minnesota thing? But obviously we, a lot of us know what corn dogs are, but do you guys have pronto pups? Do you guys know what a pronto pup is at maybe your carnivals or state fairs? Uh, and then I am going to wrap this up here pretty soon because I feel like now we're just rambling on, but, uh, a food can fit into all four categories, soup, sandwich, salad, or ravioli. <laughs> and then uh, Greg coming in, uh, hot dog is a sandwich, but you must reject that reality. Why? Well, okay, fair enough. If it's a say, okay, if, it, if the new standard is some sort of bread, meat, and bread, then uh, we have hot dogs, burgers, sandwiches. They are all sandwiches. You know what? Here's what we could do. Why don't we accept that there are subdivisions of sandwiches, kind of like we have trucks, but there are different types of trucks where uh, we have like rifles, but there's different types of rifles. Maybe we just need to accept that there are sandwiches and there are different types of sandwiches. So I don't know. That's a good question. But yes, you sure opened a can of worms here. Yes. So Chad, you don't have Prano Pups. Here's what a Prano Pup is. And I don't know if it's just a Minnesota thing, but it's like a corn dog, but instead of like a cornmeal-based batter, they use uh, pancake batter. So it's pancake batter. You dip the hot dog, you fry it. It's still on a stick. They're pretty good, but they're different. I still like a traditional corn dog, especially like a fair or a carnival one where like they're mixing the batter up fresh and you can see the corn and stuff. And like, mm, you, those are solid. Like, especially when it comes just out of the fryer. Like it's tough to beat a solid corn dog. Oh, that sounds good. I'm gonna have to make a, make a corn dog. 
In Minnesota, they drink pop stochio. Heck yeah, we do. We eat hot dish and we drink pop. You betcha. And I'm not embarrassed about it. And we go to meat raffles. And that's the other thing. How many of you guys know what a meat raffle is? Yeah, I bet you not many. You got to be from Minnesota to know what a meat raffle is. But let me tell you, a meat raffle is a heck of a good time. I'll do a separate video on a meat raffle sometime. Actually, truth story, then I'll ramp, stop rambling. Uh, but it appears that, you know, you guys are still engaged. So that's always good. If I were to do a food channel, I'm debating about calling it meat raffle. Like, I just think that'd be kind of a funny name for a channel. Because it's a Minnesota thing and we can do different types of meats and all that stuff. But uh, anyways, gentlemen, I think that's going to do it for this video. Uh, that would be a calzone. Folded pizza is a sandwich. <laughs> Calzone, although I think technically is a type of sandwich. So maybe we're we're getting into the weeds there. All right, guys, we have gotten off topic, but I love it because I love engaging with you guys. I really do appreciate the super chats and the super thanks. Uh, guys, I got to give epic props. I think this is our record fundraising QA ever. You guys have donated more money than we've ever received in a QA before. I really, really do appreciate it. If you're watching this after the fact and you want to continue to donate through Super Thanks, uh, you can do so on YouTube. I really appreciate it. If you want to see your question on the show, the best way is to email us. That email address is shown below, the QA at gunsandtactics.com. At the end of the month, we go live. It's the last Monday of the month, 2 p.m. Central. We go live on YouTube. Eventually, we will do some multi-streaming in the future as the software allows it. But email us. Thank you guys very much for watching and have a great day. All right, guys, take care. That's going to do it. We'll see you in the next one.